Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Lance. What a sweet time. God is so good. As we continue our messages, you know, I think we started in February. Nothing wrong with that. God has a plan. And we need the truth about the gifts of God impressed so deeply on us that we'll never let go of it. And it will just strengthen as we go along in our walk with the Lord. I haven't preached on this particular message in I don't even know when. So when Jay said, hey, we got some dates here. Why don't you give a word? Here's the list. Choose one. I said, okay. I'll choose tongues and interpretation. You know, when you get into the word of God with any subject, God has a plan. Not just for you guys, but for me. And that's why I was excited about this, because I knew God was going to do something in my heart. And he did. He strengthened my desire and my belief in the gifts of the Spirit and this gift. Tongues and interpretation. Wow. (laughs) What a subject. Could go any which way, right? You must have heard all kinds of things. But if there's one thing we want to go away with today, it's there's a list of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's nine gifts listed. Either we accept the whole nine or we throw them all away. You can't choose one or two and say, oh, that's for today. The rest ended thousands of years ago. It's all or nothing. Bridge Brothers Community Church is choosing all. I'm not saying we know all. I'm saying we're choosing all. And we're expecting God to help us walk into the gifts of the Spirit in all their fullness. Give it to you just a little louder. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel a little better. As Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, he was writing to a very young, immature church who was extremely gifted and yet off track because they had the wrong attitude about gifts, the wrong understanding about gifts, and the wrong application about gifts. That's why Paul wrote the letter, 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians was... A little bit better because he saw some growth. And when we get to chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, we have to look at the three chapters together. We can't separate them out. Chapter 12 is about gift ministries and how they unify the body of Christ. Then we get to chapter 13. That's about gift essential. What's the gift essential? 
love. Now, I know chapter 13 is used at weddings. It's called the love chapter. But Paul wrote it as part of this progression about spiritual gifts. He tells us about the gifts. He tells us it's essential. If we don't have love, forget the gifts. They mean absolutely nothing. In fact, it says, without love, I am nothing. Ooh, I wonder how the Corinthian church felt about that. So we have the gift ministries in chapter 12, the gift essential in chapter 13. Then in chapter 14, we get into gift governance. There's got to be some kind of rules. The Corinthians were following none of them. If Paul had told them some rules the first time he was there, they forgot them all. Now, if you look at the first verse of chapter 12, it says, Now, Corinthians, now, concerning spiritual. The word gifts is in italics, which means it isn't in the original language. Concerning spiritual matters, spiritual things, and gifts is part of this awesome spiritual thing that God has given us. Concerning spiritual matters. And the first thing he says is, Corinthians, you weren't saved once, but now you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved. Only the Holy Spirit of God can put the words in your heart and your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So Corinthian church, you've said Jesus is Lord. That opens you up to Spiritual things, especially the giftings that God wants to pour out upon you. Then in chapter 4, verse 4, now there's diversities of gifts. Verse 5, there's differences of ministry. Verse 6, there's diversities of activities. That word diversity, difference, diversity, it's the same word. It means distribution, distinction. Distribution, distinction. That means the Holy Spirit of God is going to distribute gifts with distinctions for different people. Now, what's our attitude got to be? Well, Holy Spirit is God. He's going to give the gifts in a God way. Boy, we should be happy about that. We should have a good attitude about who gets what gift, what gift I have. We should have no jealousy We should be happy that Holy Spirit has decided how to give gifts. How to distribute these. Diversities of gifts. Gifts are a favor given to you by God. He's given you a favor to talent you in some way. There's differences of ministry. Ministry, a heart to serve somehow. People have different hearts to serve in different ways. It's okay. Praise God for it. There's diversities of activities. Activities, a heart that has you do something with your gift. Again, this is all by the Holy Spirit of God. Then he lists the nine gifts. And on that gift is, on that list of gifts is, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. People, 
It must be for today. It's on the list. Now, I know in chapter 13, Jay talked about it last week. First he said, we all agree that we need teachers and teaching of the Word of God. Yes? What about prophets? Uh Uh-huh. We need teachers. We need prophets. It's for today. Love never fails. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Some people look at that list, they take tongues out of there and say, that ceases, forget it. The other two are okay. Or tongues and prophecy, forget it's not for today, but we need knowledge, so so we better choose that one for today. That's not the way it works. Because later on, Paul says, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. What's the perfect that's going to come? Some people say it's the Bible. So when the Bible was canonized, none of these gifts are for today. We don't need them anymore. We have the Bible. I'm sorry, folks. The Bible isn't enough. God said so. Yes, oh, the truth is fine. The truth is great. We need the truth. But we need some other realities in our lives to confirm the truth to ourselves and to other people. He's given us gifts to do that. Now we see in a mirror, but then face to face. When is the then? It's not today with the Bible. It's when Jesus returns and we see him face to face. We won't need the gifts anymore, people. We're going to be standing and Jesus is going to be right there. We won't need knowledge. He'll be right there. We won't need to speak in tongues. He's going to talk to us face to face. So, here's my statement. Speaking in other languages, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, corporately, are part of the gift package for today. Okay? That's understanding. We're not going to take tongues out of the list and throw it away because it's uncomfortable, or it must be of the devil. It's right here. We have to understand, however, just as with the other gifts, there are certain parameters that we have to go by here, certain things we have to think of before we can look at this gift and use it properly. First, there should be no divisions or factions. Chapter 11, Paul uses those words. I think you guys got divisions and factions. I can see it. I can see that you have separated yourselves out. I see that you have made a choice to disunify. That's what the word factions mean. You've made a choice to disunify over these gifts. So, that's wrong. Don't do that. We should have no divisions, no factions. These gifts are for the profit of all. The word profit means to bear together for our advantage. I got to bear with you. Roger, I got to bear with you. Guess what? You got to bear with me. We got to bear with each other. Not because it's a drudgery, because we want other people to be lifted up into their giftings. We're supposed to help them, encourage them. You're supposed to encourage me. 
Gifts are used to edify, to build up the church. If they're not used for that purpose, something's very wrong. And that's what was wrong with the Corinthian church. I got a prophetic bent in my life. You don't. That was the Corinthian church. I speak in tongues. How about you? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about edifying and building up other people. We worship God, not the gift. God is the one who's great. We magnify the Lord. We don't magnify any gift that he has given us. Because without the Lord, forget the gift. And lastly, all these gifts, including tongues, it's on the list, they are most importantly love gifts. They're given in love. They're received in love. They're couched in love. They're expressed in love. And if they aren't, you might as well not have the gift because it's counterproductive. It's not just nothing. It's worse than nothing. Now we see in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit was poured out on people. We call it the baptism and the Holy Spirit. Included in the baptism Baptism was other languages, tongues. So, who gets tongues? Anybody who is baptized in the Holy Spirit. You earthly fathers, if you give good good gifts to your children, won't God give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks? It says in Luke 11. The word ask means beg, by the way. Crave. Anybody who asks, craves, begs, talks to God about the Holy Spirit, all you've got to do is ask. He pours out the Spirit on us. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. So it's a separate experience from getting saved. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't make anybody more saved. They're already saved. It doesn't make anybody more special. It just gives them something they need to walk their walk with Christ. How about this? The people who don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe they don't need it. I'll tell you what, I need it. Because I know what I am without the power of God in my life. Well, if anybody can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then who gets to speak in tongues? Anybody who wants it. Anybody. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, I believe you can speak in tongues. I believe that there are some people who don't want to. That's okay. That's okay. Look, I needed it. God knew I needed it and gave it to me. But remember, speaking in tongues is not a qualification for being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not a qualifier. You don't have to speak in tongues. We attended a church that believed if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you must speak in tongues. 
And you can't get to be a leader in the church unless you speak in tongues. That shows you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Bridge Builders Community Church does not believe that. Can I say that out loud, Pastor? Elder? No, it's a qualification. It's not a qualification. Speaking in tongues is one indication of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's others. There's a boldness. A boldness to speak for God. Take a breath. There's a twofold function of speaking in tongues. If there was no function, we would not have been given the opportunity to have this gift. The, there's two functions. Number one is for personal edification. And the second function is for public exhortation or encouragement. First, personal edification. Speaking in tongues is a way to communicate with God on an extremely intimate level. It doesn't have to be interpreted. You don't even have to know what you're saying. In fact, sometimes it's a good thing. I don't have to think of the words. I don't have to come up with the right expression for what's in my heart. This expression of tongues does it for me, and it's up to the Holy Spirit to interpret that to God. I don't even worry about it. This especially happens in prayer time. That's why it's sometimes called your prayer language. When you're, you're seeking God and you want to express something to Him that you just can't come up with the words for, this spiritual language is a way to do that. I'm going to give this microphone to my wife as she's going to talk to you for just a minute about her prayer language at the beginning. Um, When I was newly saved... um saved into the Baptist church, and I also belonged to a women's Bible study. And we used to go on retreats twice a year. And I was going through a lot of struggles in my life and really going away seeking God to know about his love. And my Bible study women were going away seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. As a Baptist, how would you feel about that? I didn't agree with that. So, no, I, well, it just happened that I didn't find out about it, so I went. <laughs> because where I came from, they didn't believe in the gifts for today. So, anyway, I went away, and I was healed, baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with unspeakable joy that I didn't even know salvation came with. And I came back to our Bible study. Now, you have to understand, I was very shy. I never talked. I never said a word. All of a sudden, I had this boldness to speak, and it was amazing. Now, I didn't speak in tongues right away. That didn't come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for me in the beginning. Maybe six months to a year later, um, our pastor was visiting with my husband, who was not saved, and I was standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes and just praying. 
And all of a sudden, I felt a word, Abba, went through my mind. I had no idea what that meant. And I had this little voice in my head that said, say it out loud. And I did. And my mouth just took off. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed the whole time our pastor was there. And it was really a very special time. And later I found out that Abba meant Daddy. So, but boldness came first for me. I didn't speak in tongues when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit either. I, uh, we were having a, a Bible study with this group. And the leader and his wife had come back from California after stuttering, studying with a guy named John Wimber. So they were leading this study. When I got saved, I wanted everything. I didn't want anything to be withheld from me. I would, I'm the kind of guy who, if it's 60 degree water, I don't go like this with my toe. I just jump in. That's me. So I just wanted to jump into this too. So I called up these people. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And I said, hey, you know, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Of course, to them, where we were at the time, it meant speaking tongues. So they said, okay, come on over. I said, it's 10 o'clock. That's all right. No problem. So I got to their house about 1030. They took me into this room, sat me in a chair, and they, started, they laid their hands on me, on my throat, on my head, and every which way. And they just started praying in tongues, and in English too, about me receiving my prayer language and getting baptized in all these areas. We were there for two hours, and I didn't speak in tongues. Finally, I guess we were getting so tired, we said, oh, forget that. About five months later, I was at church, and I was going to see some people. I had some friends of mine I had not seen in a long time. They hadn't seen me since I'd been saved, and I was kind of afraid as to how this was going to go. So I went forward at the end of the service uh, for the anointing service, and I was just standing there minding my own business saying, Lord, anoint me, Lord, help me, and all of a sudden, boom, a language came out of me. The Lord knew I needed something. I couldn't even ask him for it, but I needed it that day. And, you know, I went to see those friends of mine. It happened to be a football team. Most of those guys didn't even recognize who I was. And I had played for years and years for this football team. My countenance was totally different. I looked like a different person. And I believe that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's one aspect of tongues. I'm not talking about in public. I'm talking about a prayer language. Now, we've been praying with the Hasses for 25 years anyway, at least. <laughs> and I know them. They know us. they got a prayer language. we got a prayer language. Sometimes we're praying together, the four of us. And Tongues just becomes a part of it because we don't even know what God is asking us to pray. We know we have a heart for it. We have a heart for our town and for God to be important in our town and in the lives of us and our family. And sometimes 
just tongues just becomes a part of it and we don't even think about it. Now there's a second aspect, a second function of tongues and that's in the public setting for public exhortation. This is a little different because as with prophecy, when you're in a public, public setting, you want people to know what's going on. You want people to know, God wants people to know what's in his mind and heart. And as Paul explains in chapter 14, if a message in tongues is given out, what good is it if it's just a message in tongues? Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what God is trying to say. That's why there's the separate gift gift of interpretation of tongues. That's two different gifts, two different people, or one person can have both gifts. A person who gives a message in tongues in a corporate setting knows that part of this gift is it needs an interpretation. So there's two possibilities for the interpretation. One is we know that there's somebody in a congregation who has the gift of interpretation of tongues. Faith Assemblies, a Pentecostal church, Jay's been there for years, we were there for years. There were messages in tongues. Now you look around and you see, oops, there's an interpreter, there's an interpreter, there's an interpreter. These people have done it before, we know who they are. So these people would usually interpret a message that was given in tongues. Or a person who gives a message in tongues in a corporate setting better be ready to do the interpretation themselves. Now, this happened to me once at one church I was attending. This church, there had been no message in tongues for years. And I guess in my 30-something years of being saved, I must have given 10 messages in tongues in a corporate setting. So it's not something that happens a lot. But I'll tell you, I know when it's going to happen because there's something that rises up inside of me. And I know it's God. So at this particular service, something was rising up inside of me. So I stood up and I went over to the pastor. Well, I was an elder at the time, so we sat up in the front of the church. So I got up, went over to the pastor and said, I think I have a message in tongues. He looked at me and said, you better pray for the interpretation." Because he knew there was nobody there. Well, there was nobody who had ever interpreted before. It hadn't, a message had not been given in this church for years and years. So I sat down and I said, okay, Lord, am I going to get up and this or not? Because I had never interpreted for myself before. So I stood up at a pause, gave the message in tongues, and I sat down and I waited. And I waited. Everybody waited. No interpreter. So I just kept praying, Lord, Lord, Lord. So I just stood up to the microphone. I had no clue what I was going to say. I opened my mouth and I just spoke and said what my tongue's message had meant. I guess. Sat down. After the service, a lady came up to me and said, 
that message was for me personally. I'm in a spot right now, and that is what I needed to hear. That was from God, and I thank you. God is good. At the end of chapter 14, it says in the 39 and 40, Desire earnestly to prophesy. And do not forbid to speak with tongues. Forbid means to hinder or deny. Don't hinder it. Of course, in chapter 14, he explains prophecy is a much better gift to have. But don't stop tongues. The next line in chapter 40 says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently and in order means with decorum and dignity. If you go into a place where tongues, prophecy, the gifts are not used in decorum and dignity, it's not God. How's that? I'll say it. Or it's a place where the people are very, very immature and have not been taught or have not bothered to read chapters 12, 13, and 14 in 1 Corinthians. My wife and I attended a church like that. You remember that church? Decorum, would you say it was a place of decorum and dignity during Sunday services? It was wild. No lie. I was an usher. I had to get kids to get their roller skates off. I'm not kidding. There was a runner who used to run around the sanctuary hollering and screaming. There was tongues all over the place. No interpretation or anything. Just people popping up and down. Why did we think that was God? Because we had nothing to compare it to. Nothing. You had just come out of the Catholic Church. We had no teaching on it. Well, I can say my wife and I did because one of the reasons we were sent there was to bring a little order, which was not the easiest thing. But I say that to say decorum and dignity. There might be misuses that we see of not just tongues and interpretation and prophecy, but other gifts. But that's not a reason to shut down all the gifts. We don't look at the common denominator being the worst offense. And that's our baseline. No. We reach for God. Because we know, since it's in here, there's a God way. There's a right way. What usually happens with me in a corporate setting? Now, if the preacher's preaching, I don't just jump out of my seat and start speaking in tongues. That's not the decorum. That's not dignity. It's not respect. What I would do is I'd wait for a lull of some kind. If I know I got a message, I'm not sure what the timing is, so I wait for a lull, and then I will just stand up or raise my hand. 
and expect the pastor to say, Tim, do you have something to say? Or, Tim, now is the time. If the pastor never said that for five minutes, I'd sit back down. Because it's got to be done with decorum and dignity. First time I gave a message in tongues was at Faith Assembly of God. There was a lull, stern inside of me. I stood up, stood there. There was the lull, stayed. So I just gave the message and I sat down. I didn't know I was supposed to pray for the interpretation. So we just sat there. Nobody interpreted. Then after a few minutes, the pastor just went on. And I'm sitting there going, hey, where's your interpreter people? I didn't say that. So I just let it go. That afternoon, one of the people who usually gives a message in tongues called me on the phone. He said, hey, Tim, I see uh, I was there during the service. I heard what you said. Don't worry about it. Somebody had an interpretation that they were supposed to give, and they did not do it. So don't worry about it. You just keep doing what you're doing. Hear God, and it's all going to flow together. You see, this person knew. This gift of tongues and interpretation, this prayer language, prophecy, healings, all the gifts, it's part of the abundant life that God has for us. It might not work every time the way it's supposed to. Whatever it is, healings, gifts of helps, whatever it is. But that's no reason to get upset or to be afraid. Look, we're a family here. We're going to have a message in tongues and interpretation sometime. I know it. In fact, about a month, five weeks ago, I felt that old feeling coming during the Sunday service. But I decided now is not the time. So I went to Jay afterwards. I think I mentioned it to you, Mike. I'm telling you, during that service, I think I had a message in tongues. But God said it's not the right time. Why? We're not ready to walk into it yet. First, we've got to have this message. And then, we've got to sit on it and pray about it. Read chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Corinthians. Read them. See what you think. Write down a few questions for a couple of weeks from now. You know, we're a family. We love each other. It's not going to all go smoothly, and that's Okay. We just want to walk into everything that God has for us. Oswald Chambers, I'm going to end with this. Oswald Chambers wrote My Utmost for His Highest. It's a devotional book. It's a great book. It's a deep book. If you don't want to be challenged, don't read it. Today's devotional. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. You'll find peace for your soul mind, your emotions, your total peace. That is more of a priority than gifts and using gifts. Because without coming to Jesus, without our relationship with Him, without us being in tune with Him every moment, nothing else matters. So let's investigate these gifts. Let's desire these gifts, like Paul says. 
We don't worry about which ones we have and which ones we don't. I know you can take a survey. I don't even worry about that. I just want to get close to Jesus. And in that closeness, everything's going to work out. And I'm going to know what gifts he's given me. I just pray for the wisdom and strength to be able to open it. And not be afraid to use it. And know that my brothers and sisters and my family want me to have this gift. Want me to use it. And they're going to praise God with me as they see it being fulfilled in my life. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you that you have given us gifts. I thank you that it's been your choice as to who gets what gifts. Because we we can't do that perfectly. You can. So most of all, Lord, we just want to be close to you. We just want to be yours. We just want to be enveloped in your love and grace and mercy as you take us through this walk with you. And part of this walk has gifts. And we do want to honor you by receiving the gifts you've given us and using them in a way that blesses you and encourages and edifies our brothers and sisters. So we thank you, Lord, and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.